Hello, and welcome to CFI Breakfast Bites, a podcast that is brought to you by the World Bank Center of Excellence and Rabo Partnerships and Foundation. My name is Rubika Sivakumara. In today's podcast, we will discuss panel one of the World Bank International Symposium, which is all about CFIs and rural financial inclusion. And I will do this together with Carlos Cuevas and Anne Sivli. Carlos is senior consultant at the World Bank and Anne is research and analysis consultant at the World Bank. And both are active at the Center of Excellence for Cooperative Financial Institutions, which is organizing the symposium. Welcome, Carlos and Anne. Thanks for having us, Rubik. And uh, whom and what are we exactly talking about when we are discussing the topic of uh, rural financial inclusion? Sure. So when we look across countries, estimates from the global FINDEX indicate that rates of formal account holding in rural areas tend to be lower than overall rates of access to formal finance in a given country. And sometimes this is just a few percentage points, but there are often large gaps. And within these gaps, we also see gender gaps where access is even more limited for rural women. But despite limited access to formal tools, looking at work done by CGAP on smallholder farmers illustrates a pretty complex picture of the financial lives of rural households. So when we look across countries, population segments, different levels of agricultural commercialization, the specific demands for financial tools will of course vary but we do see some common needs. One being tools to support risk management and to respond to shocks. Rural households experience the same shocks that any family might experience, such as changes in their health status and employment, as well as agricultural shocks. And these might be on the production side, such as adverse weather, or for those producer households that are part of a tight value chain, they might be highly impacted by price fluctuations. Um, The agricultural cycle also has a strong influence on the financial lives of smallholder families who might experience income volatility throughout the year with the agricultural cycle, which points to another need of access to savings and credit options that can help smooth consumption. So when we're talking about rural financial inclusion, we're often talking about an unmet demand for financial tools or opportunities to add new tools to households' financial portfolios. When it comes to savings, rural households are often saving through informal channels, such as at home, with friends and family, or a savings group. And credit is often similarly informal, where households borrow from friends and family, a group, or get credit from a store. So while these informal options may give smallholders flexibility, there's also downsides, which include high interest rates and repayment terms that might be inopportune. So when given a relatively narrow choice of financial tools, rural households may have limited options to mitigate risks and respond to shocks and smooth their spending. So what we're gonna talk about in this panel is how cooperative financial institutions can play a role in meeting these demands for financial services and expanding rural access to finance. Yeah, so so as you said, the informal sector is most dominant when it comes to financing rural households. Um, Carlos, which benefits can formalization of the sector bring? Thank you, Ruby. I, 
first, I want to say that increasing and improving the quality of financial inclusion in rural areas does not necessarily mean formalizing the existing informal sector. Informal sectors providers have been around for ages for different reasons and, and, and in some in many contexts are part of the culture of, of the community. But uh, it does involve uh, increasing financial inclusion. It does involve learning from the informal ways, following up on what Anne was saying, in which rural households handle their finances and improving upon this in modern, let's say formalized ways. Just to give two examples that go along with some of the ones that Anne was suggesting, rural households keep their savings mainly in physical, what we call quasi-liquid forms, such as livestock and inventories, which are their customary way of keeping their savings, but are high-risk ways of keeping your money. Your livestock disappears and dies and inventories are damaged and so forth. So the question here, how do we, how do formal providers can offer an alternative, such as a savings account that compares to the informal ways in terms of return and maturity, but it's safe. It doesn't have the risk that uh, livestock and inventories may have. Another example on the borrowing side, uh, rural houses resort to money lenders or relatives to borrow <clears throat> to cover emergencies or just to smooth their revenue flows. And these informal contracts, excuse me, are typically flexible, meaning that the terms can be adjusted in the presence of, presence of contingencies, whether there's an emergency the borrower has, so it has to repay later, with an emergency the lender has, that has to collect earlier. Those things are possible because the parties know each other almost with perfect information, which is not common in, in regular finance. So the question here then, how do formal providers can develop formal loan types that convey a similar sense of flexibility and confidence. So in, in summary, the expected results of learning from the informal sector and <clears throat> creating new tools in the language that uh, Anne was using uh, are additional and improved financial services that complement rather than replace existing informal arrangements while serving as healthy competition for example, that will reduce the interest rate that money lenders charge. Mm -hmm. And what can be the specific role of CFIs in this? Well, CFI have the advantage of what I call home field advantage <laughs> in sports terms mm -hmm. uh, of being local, having similar kinds of almost perfect information about their members and vice versa. Members know who the uh, CFI leaders are and, 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 so, and they work in proximity to their member clients. They're known and familiar to them so that they convey a comparable perception of confidence and flexibility to that we associate with informal providers. And uh, for that, <coughs> several factors need to converge to help realize this potential that uh, and they include a conducive and enabling environment. We have whole session in the symposium that will cover that uh, and development of CFI capacity uh, that also covered in another panel in this event. Thank you, Carlos. Um, and I think if CFIs truly want to be a game changer, they should not only 
um, improve formal finance or learn from informal finance, but also keep up with the latest trends. And which potential do you see here for CFIs? Yeah, thanks, Ruby. So as we'll hear throughout the symposium, the comparative advantages of cooperatives include their focus on member value versus profit. And as Carlos has just mentioned, their embeddedness in the local environment and trust with the community. Um, and CFIs can be a relevant player in expanding rural access to finance when regulatory frameworks are updated and allow CFIs to be at a level playing field with the other financial service providers. You know, we've seen examples in countries such as Ecuador and Colombia of you know, this keeping up with the latest trends of using correspondent agent models, which enable CFIs to reach their members that are in remote areas. And conversely, when cooperative members who may seasonally or permanently move away from a rural-based cooperative, they can stay connected to the CFI and access services through agents. So beyond regulatory reforms that allow um, innovation and keeping up with trends to happen, investment in digital tools and IT infrastructure can allow CFIs to take advantage of these agent networks. And you know, when it comes to digital tools, there's an opportunity for CFIs to partner rather than compete with fintech companies. Um, CFIs bring this embeddedness in and trust with communities that we, we've mentioned, and that makes them well positioned to bridge the gap between a rural community and a non-local fintech provider. And from the CFI side, partnership with fintechs and using digital tools can help them overcome these barriers to serving rural communities, uh, such as a geographically dispersed population, infrastructure challenges, transportation costs. Um, so in this session, we're gonna hear from panelists about the innovations, the regulatory reforms, technical assistance, and um, promotion activities that have allowed CFIs to improve access to finance in rural areas. Yeah, you already briefly mentioned it. We'll organize a panel session on uh, this topic. Uh, Carlos, what are the main things you hope to find out during this session? We at the World Bank, uh, we have been working on CFIs for many, many years, have learned a lot and have found a number of important success stories in, in large scale that show how CFIs can achieve great results in financial inclusion, especially in rural areas. So we're aiming to bring to the panel these stories as related by the people who have made them possible or are making them possible as we speak. So in all cases, uh, regulatory and supervisory reforms and developing CFI capacity have been important, crucial, I would say. And um, uh, actually our current joint project with the Rabo Foundation works on these two areas with a few countries. And, and that's uh, something that we'll bring to the panel. And questions to the panelists will be specific about key factors of success, name, let's say the top three that underlie their successful institutional development, key factors that were challenges, hard to overcome. How did they do those? And, and what would they advise to other CFI systems trying to make it work in their increasingly competitive environments, which is part of the context of the whole event? And uh, what would they recommend to policymakers to consider if there are policy issues involved. So that's the, the plan. 
stay tuned for the final slate of panelists, but we have, as I said, really interesting uh, possibilities there that uh, can contribute a lot to this panel. Thank you very much, Carlos and Anne, for sharing your thoughts on this topic. Next week, we will be back with a podcast on panel two of the World Bank Symposium. Uh, This is about the promotion of CFIs in rural areas. For now, thanks for listening and stay tuned.